Welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Joy Treadway. I'm here to help you navigate nuanced conversations and explore topics that demand your attention and awareness. There is no topic off limits here. Together, we will seek to find the middle path, explore the polarities of darkness and light, left and right, grace and grit. As a writer, life coach, and seasoned yogi, I'm in the business of awareness and conscious action. I'm here to create space for the conversations that need to be had in order to create solutions that bridge the divide between humans. Sensemaking will use practical, logical, philosophical, and spiritual tools to help us gain well-rounded perspectives on issues that strike a chord. Let's get started. Okay, welcome to the podcast. This is Carla Joy Treadway. Uh, Today I have Jeremy joining me from Trucking for Freedom. Jeremy, thanks for coming on the show here today. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So Jeremy and I met um, when the Freedom Convoy started making its way to Ottawa. And Jeremy and his team um, decided that they wanted to film a documentary so that they could let Canadians know what was really going on in Ottawa, what was really going on with the movement. Um, And I jumped in just to help um, with the social media side of things, with the PR side of things. Um, Aside from that, um, Jeremy, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what Trucking for Freedom is? Yeah, absolutely. I'm from Calgary, Alberta. Um, we mostly work with media production, so we're no, uh, we're not new to the industry at all. Um, we heard that there was going to be uh, a bunch of trucks driving across the country, and thought that that would be a really cool site to capture. So, uh, so Andrew Peloso and he called me up and said, "Hey, do you want to drive across the country with me um, and film this? Because it's going to be something that." we're like, we're probably never going to see again. Um, I, I said, I'd think about it, thought about it for, for an evening and, and said, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Um, within the first, within the first 24 hours, if not immediately, we realized that this was way bigger than anything that we could capture ourselves. So we, we put out, uh, put up a website and put up a, a Wii transfer link and started collecting footage from, everyone across the country as this event was happening um, and even across the world because this event was happening around the world when it was going on here in Canada. Um, So we decided to make a little documentary which turned into a bigger documentary which turned into a multi-series documentary and we'll be releasing the first episode on May 1st. Wow so when you first jumped on board with this project did you really understand the the scope and size of this movement oh absolutely not like i don't know i i understood no i don't think anyone did honestly um i think we expected what the media was telling the world which was that there were going to be maybe 250 trucks or something like that but uh, by no means did i expect the the magnitude of what actually happened hmm I remember watching um, the news and and what they were saying just about those those early days when when people were just starting to rally and they were just starting to make their way to Ottawa, um, and 
and they said it was just it was just a few people and if you uh turn on the tv and you looked at like the parliament hill videos it showed like no one was there um and i had participated in in multiple cities just helping provide food and supplies for the people coming out there and in just like our tiny little town which only saw a fraction of that convoy there were thousands and thousands of people and that was a big aha moment in my brain that what the news was telling us just wasn't true they said that no one was there and also it was a bunch of uh scary people that you you wouldn't want to make dealings with anyways yeah that sounds familiar <laughs> um a lot of people still uh they went along with that rhetoric though. There there were a lot of, uh, I don't wanna say lies, just uh, misinformation that was coming through CBC about this movement. What, what were some of the things that you saw on the news uh, about the people who are participating, uh, about the convoy? I, I know there are many, but uh, what are some of the things that stick out for you? What was being said about them versus what, who they actually were? Yeah, it's it's really interesting, Carla. Um, I feel like the the media information changed as we were driving across the country. Um, at first, it was it was almost like a glorification of what was happening for the very for the very first little period of the convoy, uh, and it was lots of images of people on the side of the roads waving Canada flags, um, and it was actually. It, it, from what I saw, in my opinion, it was actually quite good. Uh, and then almost immediately, it went to either dead radio silence, which would signify that um, that nothing is happening, or it was that these were uh, extremist groups that were heading towards the Ottawa, uh, heading towards the capital, um, Ottawa, and were potentially going to cause disruption. Um, and I mean, it was crazy because we were hearing all this wild stuff as we were driving across the country. We were hearing that the, the military was going to intervene, that police weren't going to let people into Ontario, like all this stuff. But the, the thing is that we were actually on the phone talking with Ottawa police and Ontario police, and they were telling us that we had certain streets that we could park on. Um, they actually did park the trucks. Like the police department did park the trucks in Ottawa, which I think is really important for people to understand. It wasn't just like a, like a, an attack on Ottawa. Um, no, it was like a partnership with the police department. And, and through the three weeks prior to, um, prior to the, uh, the actions that were taken to remove everyone from Ottawa, uh, the police were working with the people. And, and I mean, I talked to so many different uh, police groups that were saying that they have never seen such a peaceful group. Um, and they, for the most part, couldn't understand why so many of them were there. Uh, mm -hmm. And they were kept on cycling through new police departments, like different cities were coming in to, to take watch. Um, and I mean, when those people first came, they were ready for the worst of it, and then realized that there's nothing happening here. Mm -hmm. um, so there were some of the big lies that, or I guess mis misinformation that I uh, I was made aware of. The biggest, I would say, 
um, is the size of the uh, the group that was willing to uh, to make the trek and sacrifice to do what they did. Um, the type of people to for for to hear that anyone could call that group uh, a white supremacist group or a racist group is just mind blowing to me. Um, I mean. I've never seen so many Sikh people in my life, uh, for example. And there were, it was truly a representation of what Canada is, which is multiculturalism. Um, and it was just, in all honesty, it was, it was mostly foreigners that were at the convoy because a lot of them had seen government overreach in their last country. And starting to see it here, they want none of it. And they were the ones that were in Ottawa supporting the trucker movement. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I've been actually getting a, a few uh, direct messages from people um, from like the Soviet Union, uh, immigrants from um, uh, basically communist style countries messaging me to say thank you for talking about what's going on because I've been ringing the bell I know what it looks like to live in an authoritarian country, a communist country, whatever that is. And I immigrated to Canada uh, because it was free. And I'm telling you what's happening now is the same thing that happened in our country. And, you know, these people, they're, they're being ignored. And who better to tell the tale than someone that's already actually been through it and, and who knows where could this go? And I think that's a, a really important thought. Where could this go? Because a lot of people um, who are against the freedom movement, the anti-freedom protesters, you could say, they, they don't quite understand that people aren't rallying and protesting because they think that today in Canada is the same as the end of World War II, or the same as China, or we're saying this is the time to change things, like things are going in a direction that's not good. And if we actually keep on going down this road, we're gonna end up in a place where it's not possible to protest. It's not possible to elect a leader. Um, and it doesn't have to be, we're not saying that now is the same as Germany or the Soviet. This actually just gets to be its own thing and it's worrisome. And I think that's what people don't, they really don't understand and they're not paying attention to. This is, this is the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a really fair point. Um, and I think it's, it's fair to, to, also take into consideration that what just happened uh, in the last two years has never happened in, in our world history. Um, and a number of different countries, a number of different states, provinces uh, dealt with, with their reaction to COVID-19 differently. Um, and, and Canada chose a, a Canada chose to overreach quite a bit comparatively to other countries. Um, and I think that's worth considering. It, it wasn't just a, a broad blanket that covered the whole world. And it was like, okay, you're gonna all react this exact same way 
and the Canadians are just a bunch of babies that can't handle it. No, like the Canadians got quite a bit of restrictions. Uh, and I would say that up until the end of the trucker convoy, um, Canada was one of the most restricted countries in the world uh, at, at that time period. Uh, and they were looking around to other countries, not understanding why they were locked down and, and no one else was. So like the, the idea of an, an anti-freedom movement, like I don't even, I can't personally wrap my head around it because freedom just means that everybody gets to do what they want to do. So that allows you to do whatever you want to do. Why do you need to take control of somebody else's means, somebody else's desire to do their own thing? Um, so I don't know. Like I, I personally can't wrap my head around an anti-freedom protester. I think it's that word. Um, you know, words have really been weaponized the last two years and uh, Canadians have always kind of had a, a distaste for American culture, not all of them, but I think when some Canadians hear the word freedom, they think America and Canadians want to be very different than the States often. I, I think that word really got twisted because um, I, I heard it a lot in the rhetoric too, that if you want to protect your own body, you know, it means that you're selfish, not, not so freedom means that you're selfish. It can also mean that you're careless. It can mean basically we attached all these definitions and meanings to the word freedom when that's, that's not what it actually means at all. And we're trying to find this balance here where you can look out for one another and be for the collective and you can also be for your personal freedoms, your individuality. And because we have this weird uh, binary thinking now, if you're this, it means that. If you say this one thing, it means this about you. Um, it, it's such a false dichotomy to think that it, if you value freedom, if you value personal rights, it means that you hate everybody else and you don't care if anyone gets injured. It's, okay. it's so ludicrous. And when we just think about the way that people live, of course, everyone takes care of themselves as well. Mm -hmm. We have jobs that we love. We didn't choose our vocation best on what serves the collective best. Some of us did. Some of us have these like amazing altruistic professions. Most of us are following our passions or creativity. So that's an example of you wanting individualistic freedom. A lot of us wake up and like exercise and eat well before we take care of our family. That is us and them. It's such a silly notion to think that if you don't take care of yourself, you just hate everybody else. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and I think what's also worth noting is that these freedom protesters, it, it's not like they want like absolute freedom. It's, it's not like they want anything extreme. Uh, and all they were asking for was their, their, their country given rights, um, the charter of rights and freedoms, the, the, the freedom to move freely, the, the freedom of association. Um, it's, and that's what's sort of mind blowing to me is that it, it's not, it's not like they're asking for anything new. 
they're asking for what is rightfully theirs. So I guess I guess I think that's that's another reason why uh, I have a hard time with the anti anti freedom protester group is because it's like like you're actually trying to protest against something that these people have a right to. Like it doesn't it doesn't I have a hard time fathoming it honestly. Um, yeah, it's 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 not like we're or people are in the streets chanting for um, like the a, a government overthrow and complete reformation or or anything like that. It's not like there's insurrection going on in the streets. It's it's hey, like you promised us something, and we're holding you to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and maybe we would be more supportive of the measures too if if they were effective, and and that's mm-hmm. not clear. It's I'll just say it's not clear. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on that, but to say that the methods that they used were infallible and mm-hmm. uh, that that's up for that's up for debate. I mean, the John Hopkins University study said that lockdowns were 0.2 percent effective in reducing death. So like, where is this neutral body that is looking over the government overreach and saying, yeah, that actually was a good strategy. We're not hearing that. And because we're taking away things like freedom of speech, we're probably not going to hear more about that. Mm-hmm. Just going back to like what what this movement was and like what was being said about them, I. I can only speak to like my own personal experience and and you with eyes on the ground. Um, This was such a pivotal moment in Canada and we really missed our chance to appreciate and see what this really was. I mean, I saw what this really was. Um, There was, there were so many people in Canada that were victimized and traumatized by this. And they were told that they weren't allowed to have an opinion, that they weren't allowed to fight for bodily autonomy, and that if they said anything about this, they were um, fired, they were removed from friendships, they weren't allowed at family Christmas dinners. They felt very alone. And then all of a sudden, when all these people started standing up and coming together, this was a really emotional time for a lot of people. This was this beautiful moment where we saw, oh my God, I'm not alone. And and that's why I went there. I wanted to see with my own eyes what this was. I remember going to my first protest in the city. The biggest city to us is two hours away. And I was listening to heavy metal music. I was like getting getting my energy up. I thought we were going to like I don't know what I was expecting, but I thought it would be a little bit more aggressive and I was ready to get some angsty energy out. And then I got there and it wasn't that. It was thousands of people, police, military, hippies, black, white, First Nation, gay, straight, vaccinated, unvaccinated, the right, the left, like literally everyone was here. And we peacefully marched through the streets and my little bulldog was tired at one point and someone just picked him up and started carrying him. Um, people were carrying each other's kids. And then I got to the stage and there were First Nation um, elders smudging, followed by a Christian pastor praying. 
uh, followed by yeah speech from um, a funeral director and then someone that was vaccinated who had recently like been injured. Like there's just so many types of people <laughs> and they were all putting their differences aside to come together. And the first time I went, I, I could feel it in the air. You know, it was tangible. This, this message that like, we are not divided. We are being divided and everything yeah, else yeah. that I had experienced last two years was fear and hate and division. And mm -hmm. you could literally cut it in the air. And this has progressed now to when you go to protest now, let's talk about freedom versus anti-freedom. Those same people are there, all different health decisions, all different political stances, and they're rallying together. You have Quebec and Alberta together. Like this is wild if you understand Canadian politics. And then across the street, you'll have like 10 to 15 people with um, in the anti-freedom movement with signs that say things like gas the unvaccinated and screaming, go home. And you can feel it like <laughs> one side is love and one side is hate and fear. And I don't like to simplify things, but just from like being there and feeling it, it feels pretty clear what side I want to be standing on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I hate to, I hate to make generalizations also. Um, I like to think that I keep an open mind and, and honestly totally do. Like I, 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 I'm, I haven't jumped on any bandwagons whatsoever. Um, at least I would like to believe that I haven't. I'd like to believe that I take a look at what's going on around me and, and I'm able to make, uh, educated decisions um, based on my own understanding and, and move forward. And I'm very ready to be proven wrong. Um, I'm, I'm actually excited to be proven wrong. Uh, it means that I get an opportunity to grow. Um, and, and that was my experience also, was that this group, and I, I didn't know what to expect from this group either, to be honest. I thought I was going to see a bunch of uh, big truckers with big beards and uh, uh, a lot of vulgarity. Um, and I, I mean, that that exists also, right? Like you can't deny the fact that that exists, but there's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, no, I, what, what I experienced was, was the most, the most love that I've experienced since this all began, maybe even, maybe even in my life um, and a spirit of unity that pulled every group of people together, like you're describing and the odd, and I mean, very odd uh, time that I interacted or even saw a, uh, an anti-protester because honestly, I didn't see them. Like mm -hmm. I heard that they were all over the place. I heard that they were, and I'm, I'm sure they existed, but I mean, I was boots on the ground. I was running around with a camera. Our whole team was running around with a camera. We didn't see anti-protesters. Um, and maybe we're just in the wrong space at the wrong time. Uh, every once in a while, I saw somebody on the, on the side of the road as we were driving into town. But you're right. Like, I just felt like such a negative energy coming from that. It contrasted. And maybe it was so negative because everything else was so positive. Maybe it was just like that extreme in contrast. Um, but, but yeah, there's definitely a darkness that was around 
people that were shouting at people to go home. Hmm. It's funny in, in the very beginning stages when I was um, expressing my support for this movement, I remember someone sending me a message saying, really Carla, Pat King? And I said, who's Pat King? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I had participated in, in these convoys in multiple cities. Um, I was not in Ottawa, but I was privy to thousands of hours of video footage while I was helping the team, multiple interviews. And I just found that funny because this was a movement of millions of people, whether they were in Ottawa or not. and nobody owned this and just like you didn't see you didn't see anti-freedom protesters i never saw pat king i never heard from pat king and it's not to say he wasn't involved and you know the the mainstream media has really used him as um mm -hmm. as a tool to discredit the movement and i actually just i have nothing to say on the man because i actually just i don't know him i i don't know him I honestly did not hear from him. Uh, I know he was there, but nobody owned this. Like, I think that's what people really don't understand about the organizers as well. Um, these are just normal people. Mm -hmm. It was a few normal people that just started a GoFundMe and started organizing and mm -hmm. they, they helped do something amazing. And they also don't own it, which is why there were a lot of disorganized pieces to the convoy. And what I actually find amazing is because no one owned it and because no one was able to control what it was, I think it's extra amazing that that many people were able to go to Ottawa, organize themselves and somehow stay there for 21 days, constantly provoked, and they didn't do anything that they shouldn't have. There was not one proven incident of violence the entire time. And I think that's that speaks volumes to what this actually is. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Like <laughs> I didn't know who Pat King was until I got there either. Um, and it's so funny because the media really did use a name to spin as much as possible. Um, and I think if there's one thing that I learned from being in Ottawa on the ground is that I can't believe anything that's ever been told to me ever through history. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened during the black lives matters protests. I can, I can pretend that I believe, but I wasn't there. Uh, and I was only told what I was told. Um, I, I honestly, I don't know what's going on in Ukraine right now. Um, mm -hmm. Because there's so much, there's so much media coming out of that area. Um, and there was so much media coming out of Ottawa, but I, I watched the cameras pointed the wrong direction deliberately, telling the wrong stories deliberately. Uh, when it was so blatantly obvious, it's it's not like you got it wrong. You deliberately lied. Uh, and that was my experience of what happened in Ottawa. So like you talk about Pat King and you're right. Like there were there out of the 1.4 million people that found themselves in Ottawa for this thing. Uh, they're there. You, like you can't have that many people and not have some characters. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and it was crazy because heading to Ottawa, we thought we were following the guy who organized the event. Um, and then we realized that there were other organizers. Uh, and I mean, we realized that they were coming from all over Canada. And, mm -hmm. and it wasn't just one group that put this together. It was like, it was a bunch of groups that had planned to do a convoy at different points in time through the year and all realized that they're going to be doing the same thing for the same thing. Uh, and they all just called each other and said, hey, like, let's just make this all happen at the, at the same time. So mm -hmm. finding out who was actually in charge made it made us realize that no one was actually in charge. Um, and, it, and it was funny because even among the, the, the group of the organizers, because there was like a board table, like everyone was so nervous about what Pat King would say next. And <laughs> like, it, it was like, you're like, he wasn't even allowed to come to like board meetings. He wasn't allowed to like have le a leadership role. He kept on taking it on himself, but he wasn't allowed to because of some of the things he was saying. So it's like, that's just human nature for you. Right. Like that's, that's mankind. Yeah. Um, and, and that's sort of what was, I mean, that was the problem with this movement, but it was also what was beautiful about this movement was it was about freedom and, and freedom reigned, right? Whether it was good or bad. <laughs> yeah, these aren't these aren't elitist people trained in PR and, and marketing like Trudeau. Oh, the opposite. Um, <laughs> these are regular people. And it was wild to watch everything about this protest get vilified and it was almost spoken about with like disdain and disgust from like elitist people in their glass castle when i was looking at it thinking this is amazing that people are like serving up hot dogs to the homeless and shoveling mm -hmm. snow and playing street hockey this is canada these are canadians these multicultural people these hard-working blue-collar people this is canada and then you have this other like if, if there is a divide what we do have are people that are in elite positions that aren't giving respect to people who are blue-collar i mean trudeau said that he wasn't going to speak to these people before they even mm -hmm. got to Ottawa, before mm -hmm. he even met them or knew who they were. He said that they were racist white supremacists. And this really goes back to grade school, like looking at someone and judging them based on their appearance or how much money they have. It, it really is a shame. And if this movement has taught me anything, actually, um, it's to be less judgmental of people in general like i find myself way less judgmental i, I mean being on the ground and being with these people uh, like the the first round of convoy that i met um i was surprised first off that there were a lot of really young like mennonite boys from like uh, steinbach and manitoba like that's who i was meeting at first like really young really nice farm boys that's who i met and then I met um, some uh, a lady from Haiti. I met a lot of Sikh truckers. I met a lot of First Nation people. Um, this one car, it, it was a tiny little sedan and it had five First Nation people that had driven all the way from Prince George in their tiny little car. And I like went up to them and said, where are you guys sleeping? Like, do you need a place to sleep? Um, the Hutterites in Manitoba tried to feed the truckers at the border 
and the police made them go. They didn't want them set up where they were, I guess. They packed up two giant vans of food and drove all the way to Kenora, two and a half hours away, and then opened up their trucks and had barbecues and hot dogs, and they were serving everybody up. I've never felt so safe in, in my life. I think I stayed there till about two or three in the morning. Um, there was no violence. Everyone was taking care of each other, feeding each other. Truckers had like their whole family in. And mm -hmm. I, I talked to this one man, he was from Alberta. And he said, I was ready to give up. We felt so alone where we were. I, I just felt like everything was wrong with these policies. I felt like Canada was going in a really bad direction. I was ready to just sell everything and move. And getting in the truck was actually like my last hope. And I packed up my kids and I started driving. And when I saw that first bridge full of people, I just started to cry. And this is a huge man. This is a huge big trucker. And and he's he's crying almost as he's telling me the story and saying, I feel like I can be Canadian again. I love my country again. And this is what's actually real about this movement. People are learning to love each other again, and they're willing to love their country again. Because I think it's really, um, it's a false idea that we can self-flagellate or shame ourselves into healing. That's not something you'll find in your therapist office. It's actually not possible. Um, if any healing does need to be made, well, healing does need to be made in our country because of what's been what's happened to us over the last two years but what's happened in just like the history of canada um it comes from love that's where yeah. we start and if we aren't able to first of all again like that personal responsibility love ourselves and then love other people there will be no healing we can't rip people apart and name call um and expect that things will ever get better in the political and the educational in the reconciliation realm it, it comes from love and that's actually what we got to see on the ground in this movement yeah i would definitely agree with that um and i mean i i can say the same thing uh, um i can speak from like a, 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 a less isolated standpoint um, because I was vaccinated and I did get an opportunity to walk around and oh, the privilege of being able to go to the grocery store and go to a restaurant in, in certain time periods because outside of that, getting that vaccine, which I was told would allow me to live freely because that is the reason I, I got it was for freedom. Mm -hmm. like I have to I have to make that very clear is like we were told that I think it was 65 percent back then 65 percent of the people get this thing and we go back to normal and I figure okay well I'm a strong young individual um, I'll take one of those and make it so that we can get back to normal even quicker um, and I mean we, we were coerced we were lied to right yeah um, and I mean, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy the the level of isolation, the level of of depression that I think we all experienced over the past couple of years. Um, it, it's been it's been heartbreaking, and 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 the experience that we had uh, all together coming together, which is what it, it's wild, but it, it totally healed. 
like mm -hmm. 100% healed anything that happened prior to that. I, like love truly does heal that, that connection, that unity, that like that, that coming out of isolation was what was really able to heal our nation. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it's perfect right now, but uh, I would say that there are a lot more people that have a lot more purpose in their lives moving forward. Um, and, and there's a long road ahead, but they're motivated again. Um, they're motivated to be strong. They're motivated to be individuals. They're motivated to, 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 to be united. And, and you're allowed to be both of those things at the same time. Like you, mm -hmm. you can be an individual and you can be united together. Um, and yeah, it's, I think what happened in Ottawa is going to protect and keep Canada alive and well, um, mm -hmm. because I was, I was very nervous about what was going to happen. I was looking at exit strategies uh, myself personally, and I know most of the people that I had spoken with uh, either already exited or were working on an exit strategy. Um, and, and that's, that's just the honest truth. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't want to leave anymore. Um, I, I love Canada. I love this place that we call home uh, and it's worth fixing. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way. Yeah. It's worth fighting. And then, um, if I can't, maybe Costa Rica in the future, but I'm I'm pretty happy <laughs> to stay here and fight for it. Yeah. Would you say that the um, convoy in Ottawa was a success? Uh, it depends on what one would deem successful. Um, I, I, I mean, they obviously did not succeed in uh, in getting an ear of uh, of our government and our uh, and Justin Trudeau. Um, that being said, however, I, I think that there was an impact that was made, um, and it gave a platform for politicians to start realizing that this is actually a people group that is not a fringe minority. Uh, and to start catering to them, which is exactly how our dem democracy needs to work. Um, it, it gave a, a platform for lawyers to do what they need to do uh, in the court systems to be able to fight for, for these people and fight for Canada. Um, it gave a platform for, for people to be able to speak up and be honest about themselves. Sorry about that. Um, it gave a, it gave a platform for, for, for doctors to be able to say, hey, no, like this, this information that we're being fed, it doesn't make sense perfectly. Like I understand the, 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 the uh, intention here, but like the data doesn't make sense. Um, it's so it, it has given a platform to a lot of people for understanding. Uh, it, it made a space for people to be open, it made a space for people to uh, to gather together, and it made a space for people to not feel so alone. Uh, and in that regard, I, I would say that it's an absolute success. Um, it gave a space for a lot of people who did not believe that there was corruption in our country to realize that there is corruption in government, that there is corruption in the banking system, that there uh, is corruption in in even our, and I mean, I am, I'm such a huge 
uh, fan of the police system. I do. Like I, I, I wear a thin blue line with pride. Um, mm. But my experience of what I, I, what I personally felt in Ottawa, and I don't know if those guys were police, to be honest, I don't, because I have on film asking over a hundred of them uh, to give me their, uh, to give me their name and badge number. And they did not reply. They did not respond. They laughed. They're wearing uh, balaclavas up to here, dark sunglasses, no name badge, no numbers. So like, I can't, I can't even say that they were police. Um, but I mean, it, it did, it showed, it showed that there's a level of corruption in, in even our police system. Um, so I think, I think by means of exposing what's wrong with our nation, uh, it was a success because it just made, like I said, a platform for us to move forward, for, uh, for us to, to, to know that we're not crazy and that we are fighting for something. That's right. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of very big things happening that people are either willfully ignoring or are just practically just too busy in their lives or just not looking and paying attention. Um, so whether or not you got the V or didn't, whether or not you agree with public health policy or not, it is irrelevant because some things that people are ignoring is, you know, one, the CBC lies to you often. And we have proof of that now. Um, I used to watch the CBC every single day. I, I'm a slow learner. I, I didn't think anything was wrong in the first like 12 to 14 months of this. I was just, I'm very trusting. I was just trusting. Um, but it's very clear the CBC, it, it's not just biased. It, there are lies coming through the media. Um, another thing people are ignoring our prime minister, our leader, is using hate speech and division as a tool for personal power you know for a leader to go on tv and and just say that millions of people are racist white supremacists misogynists um he's intentional with his language he's doing that on purpose uh, for him to say that sh how long should we tolerate these people there's a lot of canadians that are like oh that's weird I'm like no 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 that that's not weird that is terrifying he's he's literally quoting dictators so when i call him a dictator or say that we are going towards an authoritarianship of some sort for people to think that's ludicrous you're you're not paying attention you're not paying mm -hmm. attention um these new censorship bills terrifying um are we an authoritarian country no we are not an authoritarian country because we can have a gay pride parade because we can protest i'm going to say can because that's kind of questionable right now people are getting arrested um we're really dancing a fine line here because really the thing that protects you from an authoritarianship is free speech you remove free speech and trudeau already controls the media um it's very easy to slip to the other side and you know people aren't paying attention we're the only country in the world where we can't even fly domestically we are arresting pastors for preaching in the street we have political prisoners in canada and even the people that got arrested at the convoy 
Um, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you're not a terrorist if the crime you got charged with was mischief. <laughs> mischief. You're not, you're not a terrorist. Um, and then, of course, uh, using the Emergencies Act in order to freeze bank accounts. Anyone that is worried that we might turn into a social credit system, um, I have bad news for you. We already have a social credit system. We're here. Um, because of your political views, your bank account was frozen. That is social credit. We are here. And I heard you mention earlier that um, you're kind of trying to find the middle and, and not be carried away by these narratives back and forth. Um, I can say I definitely did in the beginning. I think like a lot of people, this convoy was an explosion of an emotion and it, it really allowed me to really go all in. Um, but things are different now. Now seeing what happened, seeing the emergencies act get pulled, watching all these things, all the things we were worried about, they happened, they materialized. Um, I'm trying to find this place in the middle. Um, what can you tell me about like, how have you changed from the beginning of this movement um, to watching, um, you know, peaceful protesters get beaten. Like, what? Where are you now? What's changed now for you in in your beliefs about what's going on, or or how you need to approach it? So, for myself personally, um, and I can only speak for myself, uh, things have changed. Um, I think prior to this, I was always quite libertarian. Um, I'll fight for my rights and my freedoms and you do whatever you want. Like, I don't care what you do um, because you're a different person. And, and just as much as I want my own freedoms, I want your freedoms. Um, I don't want, I don't want anyone to be able to infringe on anyone's rights and freedoms. Um, and, and I think that's, that's sort of where I've been called up into awareness is like, okay, now this has gone far beyond uh, you doing what you want and believing what you want and me doing what I want and believing what I want. Like when there's, when there's overreach and influence, um, into what other, others believe it's, it's no longer okay. Right. Um, and not, a, not only that, but like, even, even the, the misinformation, uh, like media misinformation when there's, when there's, um, when there's like a, an influence, an underlying influence that's pushing everybody a certain way, subconsciously, not even consciously, like these people aren't even able to make their own decisions. Like this is a, this is a machine that is, is swaying people uh, a, a, a specific way. Like it's no longer just a, hey, yeah, like you believe what you want. You're this specific religion. That's great. That's fine. You go to church, you do your thing, you spend time with your people. Uh, and we're not going to do anything about that. Um, no, it's, it's, it, there's something different in the air. So for me personally, um, I think I've realized that I can't just stand aside and expect that everyone thinks the same way where everybody wants to be able to believe what they want to believe. End of story, uh, that there is overreach, that there is persuasion and coercion in thought. Uh, and in decision making. Um, and I mean, I've also looked at it from the other side with people that are very loud and, and, and boisterous. Uh, and I, I've watched them get arrested. Um, I've watched them get canceled. Uh, and, I, and I think that there's a, a specific line 
to be walked in between saying nothing and doing what you want and being really boisterous and uh, exploding in the streets. Um, I think, I think the line to walk is being tactful, but aware, um, not always sharing your opinions, but sharing your opinions with, um, well, honestly, with great tactfulness, uh, and, and making preparations for, uh, for what you're going to do going forward. Um, because it's very clear that there's a game of risk being played. Um, and, and the opponent, and I don't want to call it opponent because I don't want to draw division in, in, in our country, but, uh, anyone who's trying to push for that overreach, um, is playing a game. Uh, they're not coming out and just blatantly saying what they're trying to do. There is that subconscious level of, of, uh, of information being distributed to, to change people's minds. Um, so I think it's really important for us to be able to, uh, to use our skills, to, to use our, 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 our professions, our, our voices, uh, where, where they're meant to be used uh, and not above and beyond. Uh, I guess in our level of authority and in our level of power, right? So like, for example, we have this opportunity to release a, a documentary, uh, Trucking for Freedom. Um, we're going to tell this story. But what's really cool about this and why we're putting so much work, like we're, killing, we're killing a year of our lives to put this movie together. Um, and, and, it's, and it's exciting because it's not just a movie. It's an opportunity to share what really happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if, we can, if we can open up even a few eyes to, uh, to misinformation and, and to, to snap out of that subconscious misinformation that's happening, if we can, if we can encourage a few people to think for themselves, um, I mean, that's, that's amazing, right? And that's just what I can do. Um, and I think people have to, think about what they can do independently uh, without, without being looked at like a crazy radical extremist, right? Because that's not what we need. We don't need, we don't need another excuse for anyone to call freedom radical extremism. Uh, we just need everybody to stand up and, and, and stand firmly, hold the line, and walk forward the way that they're meant to live, right? Uh, we don't, I mean, I honestly think that the the response that the other side wants is for us to jump up and yell and shout and uh, and get violent and get extreme uh, because then they just have ammo for for pushing it for uh, pushing the agenda further and further uh, for the right to be able to take away free speech um, and we don't need that we just all need to be responsible for ourselves we need to um, to to walk forward uh, in our own authority um, and take matters into our own hands uh, and and just live, right? Stop being told how to live and just live the way you feel you're meant to live. That's right. I mean, and if we were all extremists, then I could see how maybe that's a dangerous idea, letting all these extremists just live how they want to live. But what we're forgetting is 
most of us that feel this way actually live in the middle. We don't even associate with a, a, a particular political party. Uh, a lot of us are vaccinated. Um, we're asking really practical questions. And the reason we're sounding the alarm bells is that those things are not allowed. Um, so you, you have one side talking about, you know, all, all this misinformation where, you know, public health told us things that weren't true. They told us in the beginning that if you got this V, then you wouldn't get it. You wouldn't spread it. Uh, that masks were as good as getting the vaccine. No, these things are not true. Um, mm -hmm. So when you have our public health officials or our prime minister saying things that aren't true, or using hate speech themselves, but somehow being immune from the things that are being enforced upon the other people, we have a big problem because I, I think it's really practical and it makes sense in my brain to ask things like, why are we canceling people that are talking about their injuries? Why are we canceling Ivy League doctors and Nobel Prize winning scientists? I think it was Julie Panessi who said something about your, whether or not you're right has nothing to do with your credentials anymore. It only has to do with whether or not you support the narrative. Mm -hmm. And we know that that's not science. We know that that's, that's just not true. To, to just look at who is being canceled uh, is really worrisome. Um, like the doctors that, that were at the convoy, the doctors that you guys interviewed, mm -hmm. um, they've been smeared with things like discredited where you never hear why what are they saying that's not true and what i found interesting about your interviews is the doctors invited our public health officials to come and speak and they said okay fine you said that we're spreading misinformation come and sit at a table with us show us your data and that should wake up every single Canadian because they've been begging for two years. Show us your data. We'll show you our data. Let's have an adult conversation about what's actually true. And they won't. And we know exactly why they won't because they will be destroyed by data. It would be so easy to go and yeah, okay, fine. They're kooks. Uh, they're spreading misinformation, fine, ruin them show up live on tv and ruin them with your facts mm -hmm. they won't show they don't have them yeah yeah that's what's that's what's unsettling and has been upsetting uh, unsettling for for the past couple of years now um right off the bat i i'm sure that everyone out there was in support of uh of making sure that what we were being told was happening didn't happen um mm -hmm. I'm sure that everyone, and, and I mean that's that's why that's why we gave away so much of uh, of our authority, um, of our free will, uh, was because we we were under the assumption that we were coming together in this united, uh, and they were we were here to defeat something together as Canada, and that's that's the narrative that we were told. Um, over time, we've realized that that is that is not true, um, that that we are not in this together. And, uh, and I mean, Justin Trudeau told us that we're not in this together. Mm -hmm. When, when he spoke to the group that was headed towards Ottawa, um, mm -hmm. he told the entire nation, he told the entire world that Canada is not united. Uh, and, 
and yeah, like the idea of anyone talking about these people, like you're right. If you look through history, you, you see people like Hitler uh, and I hate to make a comparison, but you literally see people like Hitler talk about people the exact same way. Um, and, and that is the scariest thing on earth. Mm-hmm. I, I just watched a video from the Calgary protests where they had a 94 year old, um, a survivor of that time period who had grown up in the Nazi regime speaking at the protest saying, this is what happened. <laughs> this is exactly what happened before we need to be paying attention to these people. Same with like the immigrants to Canada who have escaped authoritarian nations, the ones that are saying this is the this is what's happened before. I, I don't understand why why we're not listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, if anything, we could have done differently from having eyes on the street here? Is there something that the protesters could have done differently? Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. I mean, well, yes and no, right? Because anytime we look back on anything we've ever done, uh, well, we could have done it differently, right? Like, but I mean, does it make any, does it make any, is there any point in really looking back and saying, oh, I could have, should have, would have? Um, I mean, they did what they needed to do. If anything, there could have been a little bit more organization, but by nature of what it was, it, it was grassroots and it served, it served its purpose because it was grassroots. So we could have added a whole lot more uh, uh, organization. We could have added more politics. We could have added more everything. Um, we could have added more system, um, but, but then it wouldn't have been what it was. So like, there are so many things that it could have been but I don't know if there's much point in looking at what it could have been um, Mm -hmm. when, when really it, it was something beautiful in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if anyone's listening to this and this is the first time you've ever questioned uh, what the media has told you or what the freedom movement was um, I'd love for you to go and investigate the, the things that was said about this movement um, about arson and violence and uh, destruction of property, Russian influence, white supremacist groups. Every single thing about that slander has been disproven. Um, and I've watched many, many CPAC videos where you have liberal MPs reading from a sheet of paper as if it, it's fact that arson weapons found all these things um know that it's not true it's been proven cbc has even quietly admitted to a lot of these things um and it's just a reminder of really what this is uh, a movement led by love and unity i mean amazing that these things didn't happen but i can assure you from uh, i'm in deep jeremy's in deep um there actually isn't um any proven evidence of of harm from that many people. This is a movement led by love. And I would like to even say um, faith. And a lot of the people that I've interviewed who were there um, from the, the people that I've spoken to, there, there's a lot of people um, that are thinking differently um, about faith. And a lot of people have described this event as a, a spiritual experience. Um, can you speak to that, Jeremy? 
Yeah, I 100% can speak to that. Uh, we showed up in Ottawa and, and I kid you not, there was so much love everywhere. It was like, it was, I mean, we cried so many times just experiencing that level of love. Um, uh, Carrera, who was with us, made a comment and said something along the lines of the very first day we were there. She said, uh, it, it feels like Shambhala just in minus 30. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and I mean, like that's, that, that it was honestly a great, a great way to describe what happened uh, when we were out there. And what was really cool was like, we, we were literally showing up and I, I kid you not, there were so many people that were in our, in our interviews with people, there were so many people that were, that were um, telling us that <clears throat> they'd never prayed in their life and they showed up here and no one told them to pray. They just started praying. Uh, and, and it's so cool because like I said, there were so many different types of religions that were there. Like there were different types of people that were there. And, and it was so cool because it was all, it was all like, it, it just all felt like God period. End of story. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't this God, that God, whatever. Like it, it was truly, truly like the spirit of, of, of God. Like there was like, uh, there was a, there was a, there was definitely faith on the ground. It was miraculous in and of itself as, as an event, but the individual miracles that we saw over and over and over again were, oh, just like the craziest things that you can, you can ever see and can only be described as miracles. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it like, I can definitely see how people were moved by, by the experience and turned uh, to faith or back to faith, uh, whatever that means for any individual. Um, I was reminded a lot of my faith uh, on, in Ottawa and, and on that journey. Uh, and in all honesty, just by nature of seeing uh, all the miracles and all of the things literally fall into place that shouldn't just like, over and over and over again, things that, and I mean, and it, it was really by means of letting go um, and, and stopping trying to control everything that was happening, that we were seeing miracles over and over and over again. And, and that was that grassroots uh, uh, movement that was experienced because it was so big. It was so uncontrollable, no matter how much you wanted to control it and make it better by adding some structure, adding some organization, the more that we just let it go, the more that we saw, uh, the more we saw God move in it, if I could mm -hmm. say that. Um, the more we saw like the spirit of, of unity, the spirit of love, the spirit of, uh, of like this grace that covered Ottawa and, and the movement, it, we just saw it grow. I'm, I'm experiencing that too. Like I, I'm feeling that for myself and I, and I'm seeing it in other people. And it, it really is what gives me a lot of hope in, in humanity and what's going on because we no doubt are living in dark times. And what I'm witnessing is not Christian people rising up like the Hutterites, like people that you would quote expect to um, cheer this on. What I'm witnessing 
is all kinds of people, people that are not traditionally church people, people from different faiths and backgrounds. And they're all coming together and it feel like for myself, it, it, it feels real. For the first time in my life, it feels tangible, it feels real, and it feels more inclusive. It doesn't feel like uh, faith has to look a certain way or fit into like a, a, a little church box, right? And I remember saying this um, to someone, they said, well, yeah, that makes sense when people are scared they tend to cling on to faith. And I said, no, that's not what this is. Mm -hmm. They're not scared and running to faith. They're being pulled. They're being pulled. And it's like this loving, welcoming. And the reason that I know that age is from what I'm feeling, but it's one thing to be scared and to secretly pray yourself. That would be someone who's scared and clinging to God. But these people are really overt about it. I'm seeing people that have a million followers on Instagram, for example, all of a sudden openly talking about God, knowing the repercussions of that in, in our current society that you're probably going to lose a ton of followers and that's like your bread and butter. And people are like, I don't care. And you have truckers and people from different faiths and nationalities and they're holding hands and they're, and they're praying and they're proudly doing it. That's different. That, that is something really different. And that's what gives me hope and everything that's happening with all the darkness, with all the government overreach and the corruption, there is this light that I'm getting shivers talking about it because I, I know you feel it too. Like there, there's this light and it's building and people are gathering and everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. You just have to feel it and like come on board with it. And yeah, that's what I'm witnessing. I think it's I think it's really wild. Yeah, the the best way that I can describe the feeling that I was feeling in Ottawa is actually an encounter that happened a number of years ago uh, for me personally, and and it changed the way that I view God, and it changed the way that I I view uh, my own spiritual journey. Um, because I grew up in a, a Christian household uh, and, and I, I came across this guy. I won't, I won't go into the depths of it. It's a long story, but uh, I came across this guy, uh, he's a Sikh gentleman, uh, an elder Sikh gentleman with a big gray beard and everything. Um, and uh, he actually owned the, the Quiznos, the, the sandwich shop that I used to go to at, at lunch. Um, and I would go and I, I mean, I literally get to the cash uh, check out and he'd look at me and he'd say, there's something different about you. Like, why, why are you so happy and stuff like that? And I'm just like, I'm just, I don't know. I just love life kind of thing. I would go. And I think we had like 10 encounters like that. Um, just to speed the story up. I think we had like 10 encounters where we would just chat and I started to learn a little bit about his family and, and him about mine and, and, uh, in passing, right? Because I, I could, I was only ever picking up my sandwich and going. Um, but one day, I had a client that uh, they couldn't make it right after my lunch, so I actually sat down at the at the shop, and I, I don't even think I bowed my head or anything like that. I think I just closed my eyes, and I just remember, I just remember saying like, "Thank you, thank you, God, for this food," uh, in my in my head. Um, and I look up, and this guy is like looking at me, but he's like looking through me. Um, which was, it was the weirdest experience. And uh, he came over to me, he flipped the chair around and he mm -hmm. sat on the back of the chair. He's like over the, over the armrest like that. Uh, 
and he points at me right in the face. And I swear he's like a foot away from me. And I'm, this is weird, right? And he, and he just says, I know what you just did. And first off, I'm like, what? Like, who are you? And what, why do you think you have a right to be in my face like this? Like in my mind, obviously. And, he's, and then he repeats himself. He's like, uh, I know what you just did. I was like, what I do? He's just like, you just prayed. And I was like, yeah, like I, I pray before, before, like I talk to God all the time. Um, and he's just like, no. And then he started crying and he said, uh, you just prayed to the God who healed my stomach. And I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> and, and he's just like, I, I know it. I know it because I felt the same thing when you prayed and I was in the hospital like a year ago and the doctors were telling me that they were going to operate on me. I, I just started crying out and calling out. And I called out to the God, uh, the same God that you just talked to. Um, and it was like, whoa. And, and it made me realize that I, I, had put, I had put God in a box myself, right, up to that point. Um, and and that, that helped me open up my mind to understanding that maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't understand God. And maybe I don't understand what it is. Um, and, and I'm up for the journey to, to, to realize, I just, I just want to walk with it. You know, uh, I never really want to know what it is. I just want to walk with it and experience it. Uh, and in Ottawa, it was the same thing. It was like, mm -hmm. no matter who you were, everyone was united. And, and there was totally that spirit of God. Um, mm -hmm. And it was amazing because it had no, it had no box around it. It had no, it had no limitations. It had no parameters. Everyone was hugging everyone. Everyone was loving everyone. Everyone was, was understanding of everyone. Um, and, and, and that really did allow for, for that, the freedom of, uh, of God and the freedom of uh, spiritual expression to flow. Um, and and it was amazing. Like it, it truly, it truly felt like God. Mm. Yeah. And I think these conversations are, they're so important because this is, this is something new in the air. And the reason that your documentary is important, why I think this podcast is important is if these things are important to us, we need to talk about them and no one else needs to believe what we believe. No one else has to um, go along with it. We're not telling anyone else what to believe, but it's important for everybody to talk about what they are experiencing. And we should never be judging a, a group of people or a movement or a religion or whatever it is if we haven't experienced it for ourselves, if we haven't been at a freedom protest, if we haven't um, like read a religious text, we actually just have no business talking about something negatively. And there is no harm in sharing your beliefs. What happened in the last two years is we are being told there is, there is a problem. Do not talk about your beliefs. Do not talk about politics. Do not talk about your displeasure with with public health. Um, and I think it's important that people like you and I, we're just talking. Conversations are only dangerous to people that are trying to control things. They're actually not dangerous. They're actually really healing. People benefit from you and I sharing 
what we believe in. It doesn't mean they need to believe in it too, but by talking about the fact that um, you have questions about the science, that you have questions about our political leaders, that you have questions about faith, it literally just creates the space for other people to say, me too, let's start a conversation. The silencing, we saw what happened. You silence a group of people, well, you're going to get a million people on your front lawn honking. It's a very temporary solution to just try and squash everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you could leave us here with anything today, um, I would just love to ask, like, what what are you learning? What are you learning right now? I think you said it quite well. Uh, and I think that's, that's where I'm at right now is, is um, my encouragement to, to anyone else is, and sort of where I've landed is like, we can't just repeat things for the sake of repeating things. Uh, in a day and age where technology is so fast and word can spread so quickly, um, information is incredibly, uh, uh, incredibly powerful. Um, but it can also be incredibly dangerous. Uh, and if, if we don't know that what we're about to say is true, then we shouldn't say anything at all. Um, gossip and, uh, and anything alike, it, it, it can do a lot of damage and it can spread the world over in a blink of an eye. Um, and I think that, I think that, one of the reasons why we are where we are is because so many people were, were just willing to spread information without, without fact checking uh, and without being able to, to, to stand behind their words um, and to show, uh, to show proof of, of what they're about to say. Um, and I think that's something that, that I am personally trying to keep an eye on myself is to, to make sure that uh, anything that I hear I don't repeat unless it's been verified and verified and verified and verified until proven right. Um, and I think that's what we have to do all over. Uh, I think we, as much as, uh, as much as opinion is valuable, um, I think it has to be shared with those words. This is my opinion. And then give uh, a statement. Um, because too much opinion is being uh, misinterpreted as fact, and uh, and and honestly, it's it's becoming quite dangerous. Um, so that's sort of where I'm at. Is like let's let's get back to let's get back to uh, to a society of truth, uh, to a society that's united, to a society that is is willing to have opinions and willing to be proven wrong uh, and when proven wrong just just be okay with it mm -hmm. we're here to learn we're here to grow together as a society um but we should be hungry for the truth mm -hmm. and i think i think that's where i'm at i think that's what what i would uh, encourage other people to be uh is be hungry for the truth Never, never act like you know everything, because the second you think that you know everything is the second that you've really come into a place where you're capped and you can't learn anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we've really seen that the last two years, and that's what's caused the divide. People are unwilling to learn and to listen. And 
what I really appreciate about what you guys are trying to do with the documentary is from from day one, you're you're doing your best to remain neutral, as neutral as someone can be. You you literally just wanted to be eyes on the ground. You didn't want to take a stance on public health. You didn't want to take a stance on politics. Um, you just wanted to watch what was going on. So for anyone that's curious about this movie, it, it literally is eyes on the ground. It's not trying to sway you one way or the other. It's just, uh, just yeah, eyes on the ground. What what really happened in Ottawa? Mm -hmm. And anyone that we're interviewing, we want to hear all opinions, right? So we're not just after the it would be easy. It would be easy to make this movie for people who are fans of the trucker movement. It would be easy to make this movie for uh, for people who were fans of the Freedom Rally. Um, what's a whole lot more difficult, and I think a whole lot more powerful, is to make a film for everyone, um, so that we can, yes, absolutely, make something that I think I I would like to see some of the radicals in this movement that we're talking about, the one that both you and I are a fan of. I would I would like to see some of the radicals start to have uh, some more open-minded thought. Um, and I would like to see the radicals on the other side have some more open-minded thought. Uh, we've been polarized so much and pushed to two very wild extremes. Uh, it would be so nice for us to come back at, and sit in the middle together uh, and be able to have differences of opinion, but to love each other through it. Um, and and honestly, that's what this this documentary is about. And, and we want to be able to to give a platform to uh, to a number of different types of groups of people um, that have opinions. Uh, and we would just like to to create this this environment where uh, where it's safe to share what your opinions are, what your feelings are, uh, and, and give a platform to a mentality like that. Uh, and, and hopefully, hopefully take away some of the polarization that's been happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which like just circles right back to again, free speech, the, mm -hmm. the problem has been that most people have not had a platform. So your movie just gets to be just that gets to tell the truth. Exactly. Awesome, Jeremy. Uh, where can people find you if they want to see some um, footage or film in advance or where can they find out more information about the movie? Yeah, of course. So you can check out truckingforfreedom.com. Uh, we're going to have a new website hosted before May 1st at some point in time. Um, and we'll have the, the very first episode released on the website. Uh, and we're talking with a, a few different uh, streaming networks to be able to share the um, to share the the mini series and the documentary uh, on as well. Um, but the best place, because we've told everybody from day number one that it's going to be free for everyone for always on that website. Um, so truckingforfreedom.com is where is where you can check it out. And if you uh, if you feel called and led to to uh, help support this uh, this series, then there's options for for people to be able to purchase uh, film credits on the website, um, and then the the social media channels, Trucking for Freedom, all over uh, are are a place where we can interact. Amazing, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This is a really nice talk. Um, 
last time we tried to talk on Instagram, there was a April blizzard where I was, so we got interrupted. So thanks for uh, meeting me for round two. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and hopefully we can do this again. Oh, 100%. Thank you so much, Carla. Thank you for this interview and your time here this morning and for all of the help that you gave us during our time in Ottawa. It, 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 it's so, it was so, so, so valuable, more than you'll ever know. Um, so thank you so much. Thanks, Jeremy.